Welcome back to an exciting episode of Extra Future. Today I have a guest who I absolutely dearly love. She will talk for the next hour. I probably won't say much, but that's okay. Molly Brown is back. Um, the wonderful, weird world of Molly Brown is like she goes by, but I'm telling you guys, you've never seen anything like her shorts. Please, right now, stop listening to me. Go to YouTube, look her up, and spend an hour, two hours, enjoy them, then come back and listen to her. Welcome to the show, Molly Brown. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm wonderful. I mean, I truly think everybody needs to watch your work before they hear you talk. Ah, well, uh, that's probably people don't want to listen to me talk, period, but I will take that as, as a good thing. Yeah, so... Anyway, what do you want to ask me? <laughs> oh, I have many things. So we've discussed many things over our course of this, our third interview that people want to know. I want to know, like you, every time I watch newer things from you. So, I mean, I've started at the beginning. I've watched a good two hours of your work. How do you keep getting new ideas? Where do they keep coming from? Because they're always different, always from a different perspective. And the animation style is constantly changing. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I don't know that I even have ideas, to be honest. You know, I just start messing around with images and see where it takes me. Nine times out of ten. That's that's what happens. Um, way, way back a zillion years ago, I used to do comedy improvisation on stage. And so I'm kind of used to the idea of just winging things and seeing where it leads you. And so I think that not always, but most of the time, I just, with the films, it's very similar to the improvisation I did on on stage. I just start with something, see where it ends up. Okay. Are you going to tell me that's such a little answer? But, I mean, you got set. Let's go. I want to start. Who is Danny Thomas? Let's start something easy that okay. you sent me. Yeah, Danny, Here's somebody that just said, hey, we need to do something. You're like, oh, I don't have any equipment. And you pull an iPhone 6 and film this. That's so, right, yes. Let's get well, into that, that. Okay, well, Danny Thompson is well known in the indie horror scene uh, here in the UK. She's an actress. And last year at Horror on Sea, she was in many, many films at the at the festival. And I screened, I didn't send you the link to that one because I did not want to make your head explode. But um, the year before, I had screened a film that uh, a woman who I did not know, a lady named Beverly Sanders, came up to me at breakfast on the Sunday and said, oh, I loved your work. We should make a film sometime. And I said to her, well, from past experience, I know that when people say that, it never happens. So I said, we are here in the same place at the same time, and there are lots of people around who can help us because we're at a film festival. So if you want to make a film, let's just do it. And so we made a film that day. That was screened last January. And then Danny Thompson came up to me afterwards, and she said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing that woman did and say, let's make a film this weekend while while we're both here. And so I had nothing but my phone, 
and I had no idea, nothing. And then, um, well, you saw, because I sent you the link to it, there is this group scene where there's a load of people in one room and one stands up and says, I'm Danny Thompson, and so on. That was the first thing I shot because I was in this um, talk that there's a guy named Pat Higgins gives it every horror on sea where he talks about making indie films and, and stuff like that. And so I went to his talk and I thought, I'm in a room full of people. I should use this. And I thought, what, what am I going to shoot? Because I had just spoken to Danny Thompson, going to make a film, no idea what it was. And then I thought, the famous scene from Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. And so I stood on at the end of the thing. I said, if anybody wants to be in a film, we're going to do the scene from I'm Sp- uh, the I'm Spartacus scene, but instead it's going to be I'm Danny Thompson. And so, so to get a good shot on my phone, which was handheld, of this room, I stood on a chair. Now, the trouble was the chair was padded, and I was wobbling all over the place. And so an animator who was there, a lady named Kate Sullivan, she got up, and she held on to my legs so I didn't fall off the chair while I shot everybody doing I'm Danny Thompson. And so then I thought, okay, well, that's that's going to be the theme for the film is just it's going to be the scene from Spartacus where everybody is saying I'm Danny Thompson. And, um, and so that's basically how it turned out. And I hope people will come to Horror on Sea and see what I'm actually talking about because I know it sounds stupid. And it is, but it was fun. And hopefully people will enjoy it. Hold on. I'm not letting you off that quickly. I mean, we're talking Uh-oh. about iPhone 6. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not and it looks good. So did you do anything to the phone or is this the straight footage? No, it's straight footage. And then when I got home uh after the festival, I did some editing, added some effects, did a bit of animation and, and so on. Um, you know, like there's uh statues and things, those are in South End which is the city where they hold horror on sea. So I took some photos of some statues and had them, you know, animated. And um, there's a um, a photograph in the bar of the hotel where they have it. And so I had the characters in in this Edwardian photograph animated, um, stuff like that. So that I did after I got home. But basically I just walked around with my phone, And it was basically the people who either were not smart enough to run when they saw me coming Mm -hmm. or didn't run fast enough. (laughs) They're the ones that are, that are in it. But at the, the cast, if you could call it a cast, they are other filmmakers, festival volunteers, Paul Cockgrove, who runs the horror on sea film festival. He's, in it very briefly, brief little cameo, and some of the uh, festival regulars, audience members who are there every year. So uh, it was just anybody who ha- had the misfortune to run across me ended up being in it. So hang on. I seem to remember there being Molly Brown in there too. Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I 
had a, a guy who was one of the audience members, uh, one of the regulars, the one who did the uh, bit in Spanish, because he lives in Spain now, and he'd come back. And so I said, oh, you'll have to talk in Spanish. And for someone who's been living in Spain for a few years, his Spanish ain't that great. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, he, I had, I shot him and we were both holding this cardboard cutout of, of Danny Thompson that had been on a part of a display in the bar for one of the films that she was in that year. And so I had him holding the cardboard cutout and then we we switched places and I held the cardboard cutout but then in my case when I got home I animated the cardboard cutout so that we were having um an argument and um so yeah yeah that was my Hitchcockian cameo <laughs> yeah. now when you do your animation I want to talk mainly you can talk about the one in the bar it looks like a I'm not really sure you animate like a head it kind of looks like a, a ram head or something and the ram head talks. No, oh, that that is at the. Um, there's a uh, a big sort of um, fun fair uh, at um, South End. It's called Adventureland, and it's like an amusement park. And that was one of the rides in the amusement park. Okay. So so that was one of the statues that I went around South End and took photos of, and um, and that. And then did it. So that, that was an amusement park ride, that one that you're talking about. Okay. And what it is, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a ram's head for all so I know. So you took a photo. You take it home. Yes. Okay. And then you animate it. Now, I want to get into what do you do in your animation process? Walk me through the whole animation process of doing that. Okay. Well, for that particular sort of thing, I have got... Uh, an old animation program um, that they don't make anymore. It's it's outdated. And I, I'm terrified to update my computer because every time I update my computer, all these old programs I have stop working. And I don't want to lose these old programs, you know, which are now obsolete. And this one is called um, Crazy Talk. And it's a really simple thing. You take a um, you take a still photo and you add um, audio to it, and basically you you end up with a talking head. Now, what I do is I kind of like to fiddle around a bit with it, so I don't do it straight. I'll do the the main thing for that, but I will also do things like. Um, I don't have Photoshop. I don't have anything that you have to pay a monthly license fee for. You know, I want things that I own. And even when I think I own them, sometimes I get these things where suddenly it's like your license has run out. I'm like, what license? I bought it outright. But that's another matter. Anyway, so what I'll do is in preview, because I use an Apple, um, I will do things like cut out the eyes, and so I'll give them, like, new eyes or something. Maybe I'll give somebody bright red eyes if I want them to look demonic or whatever. You know, and I'll I'll make, I might put the head on a different body, things like that, you know, mess around with it, and then put it into this crazy talk thing. And then that will um, export a ProRes file with an alpha channel. An alpha channel means that it's got uh, a transparency. 
And so it's got like a transparent background and I can stick it on anything. So what I'll do is I'll cut out the head, for example, and then put the head on a, something else. Now, in this case, because it was something that people in South End would recognize from uh, Adventureland, I did the outfit shadow, cut out the head, but the background I put it on was actually the background of the original photo. So, uh, so people in South End would recognize it. But I could take that head and put it on your body, for example. Or I could take your head and put it on that, that, um, uh, amusement park ride. And maybe I will have given myself an idea there, but <laughs> you know, it's, but that's one of the things I do for animation. I also use a thing, a very old version of something called Daz 3D, which is good for like a, a human figure, basic human figure walking or something like that. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll take like a head I made in that crazy talk put it on um on a body that I made in in this Daz 3D. I also use Motion, which is the Apple thing. I still use Final Cut Pro 7 for video editing, which is long obsolete. That's another reason why I, ca I, I have got a very old computer that has not been updated for years. I'm amazed this Zoom is working, to be honest, because I well, did good. think... It's important. I did think... You know, it's possible that the Zoom isn't going to work. And you could have you know, done it on your phone. The Zoom. Will I, work I would on have your done phone. it on. My, I would have done it on my phone. Yes, so it would have been okay. But um, and you wouldn't have seen my messy room though. So it's just as well. Oh, I love it. That's it. Totally suits you. <laughs> so basically, it's a mishmash. The the animation I do. It's it's a mishmash. Do a lot of different things in different programs. I had a few others that I had. Um, that I thought I had bought, bought outright. And then I got this thing of it doesn't work anymore because supposedly the thing I had bought outright was under a license, which that wasn't my understanding. Or they stopped making it and they just, again, remotely just made it stop working because they've stopped making it, which is annoying. You know, ugh, don't get me started. <laughs> no, it's good. That's what I want to know. So my question is, if something stops working, what do you do to find something new? Because, I mean, your style is so unique and so different that you have to find programs that work for you. So how do you go about finding that next program? Well, yeah, that's that's the difficult bit. This is why I haven't been updating my computer, because I don't want to lose the ones that I haven't lost already. Um, but I sort of, you know, I'll Google what is what is free, hopefully, you know, if there's free programs, I'm all for those, um, or very cheap and doesn't have a monthly license fee. I, I just, that whole monthly license fee really, I, as a matter of principle, and also the fact that I don't have a, a monthly income, that helps as well. <laughs> you know, I just will not use those. And, um, and so what the next one is, that I will have to move on to, I don't quite know, to be honest. Um, you know, because at some point, I probably am going to have to update this computer because nothing's going to work anymore, it, you know. And um, so I, I, I will have to at some point. Um, some people have told me DaVinci Resolve is, is good 
which you can get for free. So I might, I might go on to that one. We'll see when the day comes, but fingers crossed the day hasn't come quite yet, but, um, yeah, it's, it's annoying because, um, you know, I like, you know, I do what I do and it's, it's a matter of finding stuff that I can do it with, but I, I'm sure that I will find a way, you know, it may mean that the look of some things is going to change. I don't know. But, um, I mean, I have actually, before I had that crazy talk thing, I did very manual sort of, do you know what Co- Captain Pugwash is? No. Okay. It's a British cartoon. And what it is, the mouth you, the way it was done, it was like a thing where there was like a a cut here and then the mouth and the jaw would just, you'd manually move it up and down. Okay. And, and so I did, I did some animation where I had character speaking, where I did it that way, like a, a Captain Pugwash sort of thing. I also did a thing where I took photographs of my own mouth in different positions, and then I I um, superimposed that on a still photograph to make the mouth move. So I did, um, uh, you know, like uh, it'd be a male character with these little women's lips. But <laughs> you know, I, I did things like that, you know. So there's there's always ways around it, you know. And and then I've done things too where I, you know like cut out the eyes and then like move the eyeballs from side to side. Or um, I've also done things like take pictures again of my own eye open and closed and superimpose that on a character to make it look like they're blinking. So uh, do you you know the expression bodge? No, it's it's a British. Okay. British expression. And basically it, it just means you, you just do it however it's not necessarily the right way to do it, but as long as it works, who cares? <laughs> you know, it's like something like if you fix something with a bit of tape when you really should have um you really should have nailed it, you know, that would be a bodge job. And so a lot of the animation and things that I do, I bodge it. And there's okay. and the but the thing is, I said way, way back at the beginning that I was going to do no-budget, homemade video that looked no-budget and homemade. That was, that was the feature of it, so to speak, that it was, it was homemade. It's one person doing everything, no, no pretension that I'm doing anything other than something in this messy room. You know what I mean? And that's always been the thing where I don't spend money. Um, I don't have a budget. The, the expense that I will very occasionally have is in my living room. Sometimes I will shoot people in front of a green screen that I've got in my living room. And if we do something like that, when they come around, I'll make them some food, you know, and very, very off. Occasionally I might buy somebody a costume or something like that to, to wear, you know, get something cheap on, 
on Amazon um, or like, uh, well, I sent you the, the Ringu parody I did. You know, I, I mean, I got, I got this white sort of very cheap thing that looks almost like a nightgown on Amazon. You know, it was really cheap. And then I wore that for my Sadako Yamamura dress, you know, with, um, I had a black wig thing anyway, so I just combed it over my face, you know, but that's the only sort of ex- expense that I have. I, oh, I once bought a, um, a, it was a costume thing, not a genuine one, uh, a straight jacket, which I used in a film. You know, I occasionally will spend a few, a few pounds on something like that, but basically I, I figure if you have to spend money, I'm going to annoy a lot of people. But the thing is, I figure if it's all about the money, you're not, you're not creative. If if you see what I mean, it's like you're, you're not, um, you're not thinking, how can I do this in a way that doesn't cost anything and is, is different than just spending a lot of money and having a lot of people do stuff for you. You know, I mean, I see these things where it's so-and-so is an animator, and then you read the credits, and the animation's done by, like, zillions and zillions and zillions of people. And I'm like, wait a second, this isn't your film. This is all of those people's films, if you see what I mean. it's uh, I do. Yeah, so I... Uh, anyway, but... Um, yeah, so this is why I will never get anywhere. <laughs> this is why I am doomed to be someone who will always do something in the spare room, but so be it. Yeah, how do I... I want to say that. You're very well read. I find your shorts. You're very up-to-date on current events. I find you're mm. always there. So do your ideas a lot come from current events? Is that where your ideas trigger? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, uh, again, uh, you saw the ones that are going to be uh, at Horror on Sea in January, and um, there's one very, very short one there, which is basically, um, I, I assume you know that here in the UK, we sort of were changing prime minister about every week for a little while Oh, yes, while I, there. Do, I did notice that. Yeah, yeah. And so basically it was just every time you'd switch on the news, all the reporters would be outside 10 Downing Street. And when they would show a wide shot, it was just zillions of reporters from around the world, just all lining Downing Street. You know, there'd be like dozens and dozens of them. And so um, I just felt like doing something very quick, very short, you know. And, um, and so I did a little something based on, or the fact that every time you turn on the news, it was something at Downing Street. And when the prime minister was going to the palace, it was because they were either, it was their last day as prime minister or their first. You know, so whichever one that was, God knows. But it was just just a very, very quick, you know, one-minute thing based on that. And, um, and yeah, I do, I do occasionally, you know, I, I watch the news a lot. Shout at the TV a lot, and uh, very occasionally will be inspired by that. But you know, I guess I really, I don't think I have ideas. You know, um, I wouldn't call them ideas. I would just call them like I'm messing around and see what happens. 
Oh, do you prefer live action or animation? Because you see it whenever you shoot a live action. Except for Danny Thompson's, I think the first one I've ever seen, you have very little animation in it. Mm. Almost all your stuff, you have a green screen, you're playing with something, you're exaggerating something. Yeah. So what what is your favorite field or all of them are? Well, I I don't do realistic, I think, is is a lot of it. And so even when I do live action, I want to mess with it. I want to I, I want to make it something that is not quite the world as we know it. Um Again, I will annoy some people. I'll probably annoy a lot of people. But the thing is, you know, live action's easy. You know what I mean? It's like you tell a person, walk from that side of the room to that side of the room, sit down, say this. And, and they do it. When it's animation, you have to figure out how to get that character from one place to another. And everything has to be step-by-step, frame-by-frame, and you have to figure it out. And you can have fun with it, you know, because it doesn't have to be how things are in real life. Um, Real life is depressing, you know. I want to have some fun and and make things that are not real life as we know it. And um, not everything I've ever done is, is funny, but the majority are hopefully funny, you know, and again, it's just that thing of real life is too depressing. You know, I I want something fun, you know, something that is not, not our day to day, like, Oh God, isn't everything horrible? Uh, sort of, uh, sort of a plot, you know, or, um, a friend of mine a few years ago, um, we were talking about films and he was saying, what the world does not need is another film about two married couples in Hampstead. <laughs> you know, it was just sort of, yeah, we, we want something out of the ordinary. And a lot of people will look down their noses at that, but that's their problem, I guess. You know, I, I do what I do because I like it. If I stop enjoying it, I'll stop doing it. You know, because I, I started doing this late in life and I fell in love with it. You know, that was the problem. So I never, I never have approached it with an idea that I'm going to be famous or I'm going to be successful or even I'm going to make money from this. I do it because I fell in love with it. You know, I started messing, I discovered late in life that I like messing around with pictures. And so that's basically what I've been doing the last 13 years or so. You know, I, I used to write books, you know, I had novels published. And, um, and when I wrote fiction, the way I approached it and the problem that I always had with fiction was I would have pictures in my head and so I, I know people who are journalists and they tell me that what they do is they see a blank page in front of them and their thing is to fill the page. In my case, it was never that. It was the pictures in my head. Somehow I have to transcribe and describe the pictures in my head. 
And then when I started making films, it was like, ah, the pictures in my head, <laughs> you know, I, and I don't have to worry about, you know, like, how do I describe this? You can just see it. And, um, and so I was like skipping a step, if you see what I mean. <laughs> you I know, do. it was, and so that's, I kind of think that's why I fell in love with it. And, um, well, if the day comes when I don't love it, I'll stop doing it. So, but at the moment, I still kind of love it. Okay. So I got two more questions. I know you love my questions. So I want to get back <laughs> to your films. Um, I'm not fat. I'm just massive arms. Seems very concurrent with today's society. I mean, people always like to say things like, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that. So I had so much fun watching this because that told me you do carry attention to current trends and things. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you want to know how that one came about? Of course. Okay, this is the honest-to-God truth. One night, I had a dream that I was sitting on a wooden porch in the American South, and there was a kind of a hootenanny sort of thing going on where people were getting up and doing musical numbers. And someone got up and sang this song. And then I woke up, and you know how it is when you're having a dream that, you, you know, you're going to forget it. And so I grabbed hold of paper and pen, and I scribbled down the lyrics of this song that someone in this dream had, had sung to me. And then years later, I was trying to clear off my messy desk, and I found this crumpled piece of paper down at the pile of a bunch of stuff. And it was the lyrics to this song. And I thought, oh, I should do something with this. And so that's how the animation came about. But, you know, you were, you were asking me earlier about me having ideas. And I said, well, I don't have ideas. But in this case, it was a dream. And I just, I transcribed what somebody sang to me in this dream. So... I don't know what that says about my mind, but there we have it. <laughs> it was a dream. Now, as maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, I did notice you go from black and white animation to color animation in this yeah. one. I don't remember you doing that before. Maybe I missed it or I don't recall, but I really found the color was different in these ones. Ah, uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, I think that um, I'm not fat. I've just got massive arms is... It started off being in color, and then I wanted to make it look more hand-drawn, so I made it black and white. But very generally speaking, quite a few of my films where I've mixed live action and animation, I, I've made those black and white, um, partly because very often I'm doing a um, something related to a particular era, you know, I'm doing something that's like uh, supposed to be 1950 style or 1930 style or whatever, you know, something a bit noir. Um, but then also, um, I have a fondness for black and white. I grew up watching black and white television, black and white films, and 
to me, I don't necessarily feel the need for color because I always was able to, it, in black and white, I was able to get everything I needed from from the black and white. So so it, it will vary. Sometimes I do black and white just because I have a fondness for it. Um, but I, I also do color. But when I do color, I do have a tendency to kind of mess with it, you know, so it's not too realistic. Um but, you know, when I do things in front of the green screen, for example, I mean, the backgrounds are usually things that I have made. You, you know, they're sort of like um, of the equivalent of a collage, you know, where I've taken a lot of different elements from different images. Um, you know, like I, I was once walking around uh, with a friend of mine in, in Birmingham, and my friend lives up there, and so she was showing me around. And I was taking photos, and she was looking at what I was photographing. She said, well, there's an awful lot of floor there. And I was like, no, it's the floor I want. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because it was like, you know, the floor would be the floor of a room I would make, you know. And then uh, somewhere else I'd be photographing windows, because then I would use those windows in something, you know. And, and it's, so it's like I take all these little elements and put them together and, and make an environment that doesn't exist. You know, I mean, I'm often photographing um, displays in um, department stores, you know, like I'll, if it's um, a furniture display, I'll be taking pictures of that. And then I will, you know, uh, isolate a, a certain chair that I like the look of or, or whatever, you know, um, also clothes. Clothing in a store window, I might isolate a dress or something and then put it on on the character that I make. You know, so it's 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 not it's not realistic. And the thing is, um, I don't try to make it look realistic. If you look at it and you know that this is not a place that exists and this is a lot of disparate elements. That's fine, because that's kind of what I'm going for. And if it looks realistic, then I'll say, oh, yes, because I do realism. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, I, I just see, I mean, somebody once told me that, um, that one of my films was like watching a dream. You know, it, it was that level of, of realism, you know, where it's like it's a dream and things, it feels like it's real while you're in it, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not realistic. And some of them, I think that might be, that might be a, a description of. And, and in the case of this particular film that this person had seen, yeah, it probably was. You know, they said it, it reminded them of a nightmare, you know, but nothing was, Nothing was realistic in that, and that was intentional. But what I had done was combined a lot of photographs of very real places. Um, I had this, um, what was meant to be a very sort of spooky, sort of uh, background just going off into the distance. And what it actually was is I... I took a picture of a, a lobby in a very posh hotel in London, but then I messed with it, you know, and I added things to it and I lengthened it so that it went on forever. 
And um, so, it, you know, by the time I was done with it, it looked nothing like the hotel lobby in, in London, but that was the basis of it, you know. So it's just, I, I always mess with them. You know, it's, it's never what life really is like. Yeah, I know I don't always do this, but I'm going to put this question. Do you usually put people you know in your shorts? Or sometimes yeah. you, you put complete unknowns in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're friends, usually. You know, I mean, once in a while, I will meet somebody who is an actor or whatever, and they say, oh, I, I'd love to be in one of your films. You know, and... um but then usually when we've done that, then they become one of my friends, if you see oh, what I mean. Okay. But, yes. but, but I, I use my friends, you know, it's um, like the guy who did uh, the music for the, um, the films uh, this year at Horror on Sea. Though that first one, oh, the, the I'm not, uh, I'm not fat. I've just got massive arms. I should probably tell you another little bit about that that just occurred to me. So when I had the dream, it was in the American South. So the song was actually kind of country and Western. But I did not have the ability to do country and Western music, and I can't sing. But on my iPhone 4, which I made my very first films on, I had an app called Songify, where there were bits of music you could choose from, and then you could kind of talk into the app and it would turn it into a song. And so I had to charge up my old iPhone 4, which I hadn't used in a few years. And I used Sonify to, uh, to make the song into a song. And there was nothing country and Western. So it became more of a, I don't know what style you would call that. It's, it's just, it's noise. <laughs> anyway, the thing is, because it was on my iPhone 4 and this particular app, it didn't have anything where you could save it to your computer or even save it to the phone and then move, move it onto the computer. The only way you could save something was to email it. And so oh. I... I had to use the Gmail app on my old iPhone 4 to email the audio file to myself. And the problem is that you have a Gmail address with the idea that you can use it on different computers. You know, you go into a... Uh, uh, an internet cafe, you can check your Gmail, whatever. Oh, but they do not like it when you use a different phone. I no. got all these emails from Gmail saying, oh, you've used a different device. Someone's using a different device. Is this you? And I, I email back. Yes, it's me. I used my old phone because there's an app on there that doesn't work on my current phone. And obviously no human is reading this because I explained it. And, oh, God, it must have been for a couple of months afterwards. I kept getting these emails from Gmail about, oh, this different device was used. And, you know, please. And um, they finally stopped. You know, I did one time trying to use the old phone and using the Gmail on it. And 
God, you you think that I had murdered a child? You know, it was just these these emails and oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. What have you done? <laughs> you know? I get the same ones. Yeah, yeah, you know, because but unfortunately, the app only works on my iPhone four. Uh, they never updated it, I guess, you know, and and it didn't work on my iPhone six. Now I'm up to an iPhone fifteen, and I don't even okay, have the good. App. We're we're moving up. Good. We're moving up finally. Yes, though I'm I'm still learning to use the iPhone 15. It's it's new and everything confuses me. <laughs> so is my iPhone 12. So we're about the same. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, aliens. I find every short I've ever seen you have you sent me has an alien. One of them is an alien. Are aliens your favorite thing? No. Um. I. There was, there was, oh yeah, there, that's true. There, there is a, the Danny Thompson one as well. Yeah. Um, no, I was just going for every cliche I could think of. Okay. Y- you know, it, it was just one of those things of what's a, what would be the cliches of um, the things that this could possibly be. You know, and because um, I had a shining reference in there. You know that it was you like. Did. And um, and I had that it was some kind of weather phenomenon and, and so on. And it's just, I've got some alien characters that already made. So I know. I'd throw, throw them it. in. Throw them in. Why not? Okay. So, I'm finally going to get to fun questions. I think I've covered everything. So now I can oh stop. Oh, th- there's know. more. There's more. Okay. Oh, you're not done. You think I was going <laughs> to let you go? <laughs> Okay, so these are the fun ones, though. These are the fun ones you cannot prep for. One thing you have never done, but knowing you, you will get to it. Yeah. What's the answer? Oh, oh, I thought you were just going to tell me what I haven't done. (laughs) No. I would know. You're a world traveler. You know everybody. Ah, okay. What have I not got round to? Oh, uh, (coughs) well, you know, I have some... I have got some sort of outlines of plots that that I have written down and haven't got round to yet. So, and I don't want to go into too much specific about them because I haven't made them yet. You know, but I, I do have some ideas that I haven't got round to. And the reason that I haven't is that they would probably involve more live action than animation. And though I said that animation is generally more tricky than live action, well, live action, you just tell somebody to do someone. The problem with live action is you've got to get people all available at the same time. And that is like herding cats, you know? And so it's just that thing of, um, getting a load of people all together at the same time in the same place. And I just haven't got round to it. Also too, I was one or two things that I made sort of, I've written the ideas, but they're, they're kind of complex. And so I, I do kind of need to figure out how to do them. And there's one I'm, I've started at the moment, which I'm, I'm working on and, what I'm doing is it's going to have a mix of live action and animation. And this is very often what I do. Um, 
I will start with the visuals to see what is possible and how it looks before I will write the script so that I don't write a script that's all full of stuff I can't do. And so I am sort of messing around with the visuals, seeing how things look, and then the visuals will eventually, I'll put most of them together, and then I will get the people together for live action and write the dialogue for them. Also, too, writing the dialogue will depend on who is available on the same day. Because the cunning plan, this is one where I I will actually spend a little bit of money, is um, to book a game at a bowling alley. And so however many people that I'm going to have in the thing, uh, what I'll do is like I will book a game for, um, if it's four people, a game for like four. If it's six people, a game for six. And then with my phone, sort of surreptitiously be videoing people in the bowling alley. My friends, not not people who are, you know, just bowling. I mean, I, I'm not using people without their permission. And um, so the people at the bowling alley will think we're just we're just shooting ourselves doing our bowling, you know. But the cunning plan, we'll see if it works, is to um, bring. Like I, I ordered some chroma key green tights so that, um, hopefully I can sort of, uh, walk around in bowling shoes and then like chroma key out my legs so that it'll be like the bowling shoes walking by themselves. And like I, I ordered, um, a chroma key green glove with the idea that one of my friends can like lift up a bowling ball and then it'll look like the bowling ball is floating in the air. And, you know, the idea is to do all this very subtly so that the people in the bowling alley say, are you making a film here? (laughs) We don't want that, (laughs) you know? So, so we'll see, but that's why I'm at the moment, I'm figuring out what is, what is possible. I mean, I've been doing things like having my other half um, photograph me uh, in the hallway of our house, like wearing the green tights to see, you know, if I, if I can make my legs vanish and, and stuff like that, you know, see if, see what's actually works because, um, it's one thing to do something in front of a green screen when you have the lights and everything, but a bowling alley is not going to be well lit. This may not work, you know, but if nothing else, we'll have a fun afternoon bowling. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay, number two, one film Molly Brown has never seen but should have by now. Oh, gosh. What film have I never seen? You know, there's, there are not too many that I haven't I seen. I know. Um, okay, I will, I will confess. You know, I, I mentioned in the Danny Thompson film that I was doing the famous scene from Spartacus. Yes. I have seen the famous scene from Spartacus. I have not seen the whole film. I am shocked you've never seen Spartacus because you're of the age to see oh, Spartacus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but... um no, I you know I may have I may have seen it um, on television and forgotten that I saw the whole thing, but I think I think that I have seen 
enough clips of it that I feel like I've seen it. But I I think that I possibly have not. And the reason I say it's what I probably should have seen is is simply because of the fact that I I satirized a um, or I didn't satirize it, but I used it as as the inspiration for a three and a half minute short. I used one scene from it. And so it seems like, well, yeah, I really should have watched the whole film. But um I mean, basically, you know, uh, not being funny. I've I've seen I've Everything, seen most I films. I, I've I seen a lot of them, a lot. You know, I mean, okay. there's of course there's films I haven't seen, but right now I can't think of of ones that. This is an easy question for you. Then the last one I have for you: name one film you recommend to people to watch. Ooh! Since you've seen everything. Well, again, that is difficult because there are so many. There are few. Okay. Well, one, I haven't seen it for many, many, many years, but I kind of blame it for the way my life has turned out. And that is A Thousand Clowns. Have you ever seen that? I've never even heard of this. Okay. A Thousand Clowns, early 60s film, starred Jason Robards, uh, Martin Balsam, and a young Barbara Harris, and it was based on a stage play by a man named Herb Gardner. And I do have a fondness for films that are based on stage plays, because there is a there is a, a plotting to a stage play that y- you can just tell, you know, by the way it's constructed and everything. It it really y- you have a much more tightly constructed sort of film, usually. And A Thousand Clowns begins with a scene of um, Jason Robards uh, with his nephew, who he is basically taking care of because his sister has gone off who knows where and left the kid with him. And they're in this deserted New York Street, very, very early in the morning. And then Jason Robard says to the kid, you are about to see something terrible. People going to work. Ah. And then the street suddenly fills with New Yorkers and it's the rush hour. And everybody, you know, the huge crowds and piling onto trains and, and everything. And that's sort of what's going on under the opening credits. And the whole thing of uh, Jason Robard's character is that he was a writer for a children's television show. And they want him to come back, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to work for anybody else. And he lives in an apartment over an abandoned Chinese restaurant. And um, it's just basically how everybody is coming. You've got to get a job. You know, social workers are coming. They're going to take the nephew away unless he gets a job. And um, 
basically I say that it it ruined my life because I turned into Jason Robards. Yeah. You know, I, I basically I grew up to be Jason Robards in that film. I do not live above an abandoned Chinese restaurant, but I would if I could. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just sort of so so maybe I'll just stick with that because it's one a lot of people apparently don't know. You don't know. No, I've never and, heard of it. I will so watch ba- it this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh I again there are zillions and zillions, but I'll I'll just stick with that one because that one probably ruined my life. Who knows? I, I might have been I might have been an executive, you know, or something. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But I saw that at the wrong age and I became the um the the guy who just wants to do artistic things and and not go to an office every day, you know, and um and the and his character is you could say eccentric. You know, he okay. he goes out into the street and he's he's shouting at the empty uh at the empty apartment buildings when there's nobody there and he's like saying you know, campers, you know, and stuff like that. And he's just sort of, oh, and one of the things is he gives his nephew, his nephew doesn't have a name. And he has told his nephew that he can choose his own name when he reaches a particular age. And so every week the nephew goes to the library and gets a library card in a different name to try it out. And so as... As the film starts, the nephew is Dr. Morris Fishbein. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and it's just sort of, you know, it just, it influenced me at, at an early age, and I blame it for everything. <laughs> so. Perfect. Before I let you go, we have to tell everybody where to find your fantastic work. Oh, yeah. Well, Horror on Sea in January. It's, um, the oh gosh, I don't have the calendar in front of me. It's the um, it's the second weekend of the festival. It's Friday. It might be Friday the nineteenth. I'm, I'm looking at a calendar on my uh, on my festival schedule. I'm pulling it up for you. Oh great, yeah, because it's it's the second Friday. It's eight p.m. On the second Friday of the festival. The 19th. The 19th. Okay, yeah. So it is the 19th of January. Horoscopes. Well, yeah. Weird World of Molly Brown. Yeah. Friday the 19th at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. That's South End on Sea in the UK. And it is one of my favorite festivals. Probably my absolute favorite. It's it's very fun. A lot of... People, the same people year after year after year. The guy who run, who runs it, the festival director, Paul Cockgrove, great guy. I've been he's been screening my films since 2014 in every um, every edition of the festival, and he's the one who came up with the weird world of Molly Brown as a title. I would never put my own name in the title because I'm much too shy and modest. I do not believe that for a second. Oh, it's, it's the truth. I would I would call it uh, some shorts by some woman you never heard of. <laughs> that would be my title. But uh, that's um, coming up in January. And you mentioned that people should look at my YouTube. Well, it's Molly Brains, 
M-O-L-L-Y, and then brains like a zombie brains with a Z at the end, or a Z in North America rather right. than an S. But be warned, most of my films are not public. So what you will see on the, on the YouTube channel are a very small selection of mostly not that recent. The good stuff's under the counter, so you have to <laughs> you have to ask me for the unlisted uh, URLs for the for the good stuff, the recent. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm around, um, you know, different things. But uh, you know, it, it's. But I, I, I'm happy that you like my stuff. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah, before I let you go, I have one last thing to say. People, if you are at the Horror by the Sea or any festival she's at, drop by and say hi. She will be happy to see you. She'll take a photo with you, and she'll chat with you. So please, 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 anybody that sees her, say hi to her. She's always happy. Oh well, that's very kind, and that's that's true. I mean, I'm I'm always happy to talk to people at at screenings. Oh, I know that. You know. I know. Yeah. So, the trouble is shutting me up. That's the difficult bit. Oh, you're wonderful. <laughs> thank you for your time, and have a great day. Well, thank you. It's been so much fun to be interviewed by you again. This is our third time. Correct. Okay. Well, I'll leave it to you to say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Thank you for listening. Please check out our YouTube channel. And you can also support the show by going to PayPal. Thank you.